It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. All right, so you guys have heard me say this countless times since the season has ended. Tennessee's defense did take a step in the right direction, but how big was that step? We dive into the defensive stat sheet here today, plus a whole lot of hoop stock. All on your Tuesday, Locked on Balls. You are Locked on Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome into it. This is your Tuesday edition of the show. This is Locked On Balls. I'm your host, Eric Kane. Locked On Balls, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. That is your team every single day. Appreciate you guys for listening wherever you find your podcast, making this your first listen. And of course, as always, watching on YouTube, hitting that like button, that thumbs up, and please subscribing to the channel if you haven't already. Today's episode is brought to you in part by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash on today to go ahead and get started. All right, we've got a fun show coming up here today. We're going to dive into the defensive stat sheet. How much did Tennessee's defense really improve this year? I understand South Carolina did happen. You can't erase it. That was abysmal. It screwed Tennessee out of a spot in the college football playoffs. Uh, the Gamecocks hung 63 points on the Volunteers. Just horrific. No, no way to spin it. Uh, Tennessee's def- defense did take a step in the right direction, but according to the numbers, by how much? We're going to have that conversation a part of the mailbag here in segment one. In segment two, Tennessee basketball moves up one spot in the Associated Press up to number two, and the Volunteers house a reigning SEC Offensive Player of the Week. That's coming up in segment two. And then continuing our conversation about Rick Barnes and uh, the lack of postseason success, um, the conversation about maybe a portion, maybe, of the fan base, Taking for granted what is a historic basketball time in Tennessee, it was uh, that conversation was kind of inspired by Mike Wilson over at the Knoxville News Sentinel. His column he put out Sunday afternoon, and he joins the show coming up in segment number three. Tennessee's defense. All right, I know a lot of people want to roll their eyes and say, "Well, Tim Bake should be fired. Willie Martinez should be fired. What's going on right now? Willie, Mar- Willie Martinez might be the most hated coach on Rocky Top." and I'm not saying that he's done a marvelous job this go around at Tennessee, but I mean you look at um, you look at the players he's produced that are playing on Sundays and NFC Championship games and and the NFL playoffs. Um, a guy that's been in the SEC being a coach for quite some time, it always kind of surprises me. But again, I'm not saying Tennessee's secondary is perfect because it is not. I mean it simply is not. But I have been steadfast in the thought that Tennessee's defense took a step in 2022. We're going to discuss how big of that step it was. Let's look at the 2021 stats, all right? We're going to go comparing stat by stat, okay? Tennessee's defense in 2021, it gave up, on average, per game, 29.1 points. 29.1 points. It's not very good. Of course, we know the offenses in today's game, especially in the SEC, 
kind of that threshold is now 30 and that's that's just kind of wild because you know um you know a lot of times you 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 think if you let somebody score three touchdowns at 21 points you're, you're thinking that's a lot to give up for your defense well this college football has changed in the last couple of years i mean it really has if you keep teams if you keep the bryce youngs of the world if you keep the joe burrows of the 2019 lsu's of the world if you keep some of these premier offenses to 30 points or less in a ball game you have done your job but Tennessee was right on the brink of that in 2021 at 29.1 points per game given up on average that was 12th in the SEC Tennessee improved that number by a touchdown and an extra point in 2022 surrendering 22.8 points per game that was good enough for sixth in the Southeastern Conference so right off the bat in terms of points per game scoring defense Tennessee improved by a touchdown from last season to this season. That's a good start, right? What about total defense? All right, that is the accumulation of yards given up to the opposing offense each and every day. Well, this number's not that big of a jump. All right, in 2021, Tennessee surrendered 421.2 yards of total offense in the opposite direction. That was 12th in the SEC. That is not a good number. In 2022, Tennessee did improve on that number but not by much. Tennessee surrendered 405 yards, 0.3 yards of total offense. That was good enough for 11th in the Southeastern Conference. So again, this is the perfect example of bend but not break. Tennessee still gave up a ton of yards, which is not good. Over 400 yards a game is not ideal. You don't want that. It did improve by 16 yards in that regard from 2021, but that was a tiny, tiny, tiny little millistep, if you will. But where Tennessee did improve were points per game by a touchdown again. Let's go to passing defense. <laughs> we all know that was a roller coaster this season. And when you lost Elante Taylor, who was a second round pick, when you lost Theo Jackson, who was a draft pick by the Tennessee Titans in that last draft, when you lost some some of those playmakers, um, it was it's kind of funny. It's like, how can you improve on that? It was not very good last year. How are you gonna improve on that in 2021? Well, in short, Tennessee didn't. It actually was worse. I didn't know that until today. Actually, I didn't know that. I forgot. But Tennessee did not improve in terms of pass defense. And that's no shocker because the role, the, the rotating door at cornerback all season long because of the injuries, because you're missing, you know, one of your safeties for a couple of games. And then when you had both your starting safeties in there, a lot of times it just wasn't good enough. And so it's not surprising. But in 2021, Tennessee gave up 273 yards on average through the air. That was good enough for 12th in the Southeastern Conference. In 2022, Tennessee actually gave up more yards, 289.5 yards through the air. Again, that's 12th in the Southeastern Conference. So Tennessee gave up about 15 more yards in 2022 than in 2021. That's not good, all right? But where Tennessee improved greatly this past season was in rush defense. In 2021, Tennessee was the seventh best team against the run, probably because you could throw against them all day. 148 yards on average. Tennessee's front seven buckled down 115 yards, 0.8 this year in games. That was second best to only Georgia in the Southeastern Conference. It was Georgia giving up about 78 yards per game on the ground, and then it was Tennessee giving up 115. And then I forgot who the other one was, but the third place team in the Southeastern Conference gave up an average of 125 yards on the ground a game. So Tennessee had a pretty nice little cushion there in terms of rush defense in 2022. A great step in the right direction. I think a big reason for that is because you had so many returners in the front seven, gap integrity, gap integrity. All right, so we've done scoring defense, total defense, pass, rush defense. What about kind of that threshold like I was talking about? In today's game in college football, 
you want the whole teams to 30 points or less. All right, that's, again, it seems absurd, but that's just kind of what you want to do now, especially playing in the SEC. In 2021, Tennessee held only six opponents to 30 points or less. That is not good. And remember, you have some gimmies in there. Last year, you had, what, Bowling Green? Uh, you had a couple, you had Tennessee Tech. I mean, you have some gimmies in there, right? In 2022, Tennessee held opponents to 30 points or less in 10 games. So quite an improvement from six games in 2021 to 10 games in 2022. TFL numbers actually better last year. It was one of the best in school history, mind you, if you remember that. Tennessee had 102 tackles for loss a season ago, which was one of the best in school history. Tennessee stayed on pace, had 94 TFLs in 2022. Tennessee actually had more sacks in 2021, 34 sacks last year to 31 sacks this past year. But again, staying on pace, that is not a significant drop-off. That is just a tiny statistical difference right there. But where Tennessee improved was takeaways. In 2021, Tennessee created 16 turnovers. In 2022, Tennessee created 22 turnovers. So it's an increase in the right direction there. And probably my third stat on to, to kind of prove my point and how Tennessee improved and took a step defensively this past football season in on third downs in 2021, Tennessee was allowing offenses to convert on third downs 42% of the time on 216 opportunities. So when you line up on third down, third one, third and two, third and mid, third and long, whatever the case may be, it's third down. Opponents were converting into first downs on 42% of those 216 opportunities. This past football season, that number shrunk down to 34% on 26 less opportunities, 190 opportunities. So again, that tells me Tennessee defense was getting off the field a lot faster and a lot more in 2022. The the uh, opportunities went down. The drives were shorter for Tennessee's defense. Was it perfect? Absolutely not. 34% is a pretty good mark, though. That really is in terms of third down defense. So in the overall scheme of things, was it a ginormous step from year one in the system in 2021 to year two in the system in 2022. No, it was not. It was not a ginormous step. But what matters are the stats like points per game. Tennessee improved by a touchdown and a, and, and a fraction there from 29.1 to 22.8. That was really good. Rush defense. You still want to be able to run the ball in the, in, in the SEC, right? Well, Tennessee was second best in the league only to Georgia and giving up 115 yards on the ground. Uh, opponent turnovers per game, Tennessee was fourth in the league this past year, creating 1.7 turnovers per game. Its turnovers went up by six from 2021, from 16 takeaways to 22 takeaways. Again, I mentioned the, uh, the, the, the games where you hold opponents to 30 points or less. Only six of those games in 2021 to 10 games in 2022. And then my favorite one of all, as I mentioned, third down conversion, uh, conversion rates for the opposing offenses. 42% on 216 opportunities in 2021 to 34% on 190 opportunities in 2022. Was Tennessee's defense perfect this year? Hell no, absolutely not. Is there room for improvement? Heck of a lot room. It's got to continue to step in the right direction. 
But when you have an opposing offense, or excuse me, when you are complementing an offense that is a high-octane, fast-tempo offense that leads the nation in scoring, you have teams that will take more chances against you. You have teams who will go for it on fourth down more times than not. You will have teams that will try to keep up with you. Look, Florida tried to keep up with Tennessee, was throwing at the entire game and scored 33 points there right at the end. LSU, where Tennessee just waxed them. Uh, Jaden Daniels still had over 300 yards passing because Tennessee got off the, the bus with the lead there in that 40-13 to 13 win. Of course, Alabama is Alabama. Tennessee got that win 52-49. But in some other games, um, let's see here. Yeah, I mean, I mean Tennessee, Tennessee had a pretty decent defensive effort in a lot of these games. I mean, Pittsburgh wasn't great, but Tennessee held them under 30, right, and won in overtime. Tennessee had a good defensive effort against LSU, a good defensive effort, great defensive effort against Kentucky in 44-6 that final. Georgia, it was raining. It was a monsoon. It was a little chilly. It just kind of was what it was. Georgia didn't score a lot, 27 points, but your defense didn't do anything to kind of help you win that football game. Uh, Tennessee gave up some points against Missouri, but the offense blew it away towards there towards the end, 66-24 the final score. The South Carolina game was what it was. That's the anomaly in this whole thing. It was just abysmal, horrible, horrible day for Tennessee in Columbia, South Carolina. And then you turn that, you, you, you return the favor there with a shutout win at Vanderbilt the next week. Oh, yeah, and you have a great defensive showing against Clemson in the Orange Bowl, 31-14, to the final score. So, again, I'm trying to back up, trying to show my work. This was uh, really, we didn't have many mailback questions, I'm not going to lie to you. So one of these that, that were submitted in, I think it was from Jeremy, ask about the defense can you kind of show your work and that's what i'm doing now if you guys have any more questions throughout the week send them in and if we have time i'll get to them but we didn't have a whole lot today so i thought i'd go in depth on this uh, but i do think tennessee took a step in the right direction with plenty of room still to go complimenting which is a tough task because you're on the field an awful lot complimenting an offense with a bend but not breaking mentality and that, for the most part, is what Tennessee did in 2022 defensively. All right, when we come back, we're going to get into a little Tennessee basketball conversation. The Vols have moved up to number two in the Associated Press. That's coming up next right here on Locked On Vols. But hey, this year, the only app you need at the Super Bowl party is FanDuel. That's America's number one sports book. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner on, uh, for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America. That is FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with no sweat first bet. You'll get up to $300,000. Just kidding. Not that much. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, again, that's $3,000 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to the point spreads to who will score a touchdown. Now, I've got my FanDuel app right here on my phone right now. I'm looking at it, and you've got Kansas City and Philadelphia. Kansas City actually opened as a small favorite, but in about 30 minutes after that, it flipped. Philadelphia is the favorite right now, a point-and-a-half favorite for Super Bowl 57. 126 on the money line for the Philadelphia Eagles. They are a one-and-a-half-point spread favorite, and the total sitting at 49-and-a-half right now. Kansas City, money line value plus 108 right now, plus 108. So if you like Kansas City and Pat Mahomes, there's some decent value there here early in the week, but we got two weeks to go. We'll see how that line decides to move as we move on throughout the next couple of days. The FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, 
secure, and super easy to use. Best of all, you can get paid for your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA. And now through June 30, get 0% APR for 84 months, or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. All right, guys, welcome back into Locked On Balls. Locked On is heading to the Senior Bowl. Get inside analysis from the host they cover the NFL's next generation in college and find out which NFL draft boards these players will be climbing, all in one location. Subscribe to Locked On NFL Draft for nightly live shows from the Senior Bowl tonight, Tuesday, tomorrow, Wednesday, and Thursday. They begin at 9 o'clock Eastern time. Check it out there. Check out and support our team down in Mobile this week for the Senior Bowl. Tennessee's got a couple of players down at the Senior Bowl as well. Offensive tackle Darnell Wright, edge rusher Byron Young, and a quarter, of course, quarterback Hendon Hooker. Uh, but he's not down there uh, playing, but he's down there meeting and talking with some, some media and some scouts and, and doing that whole process. All right, so Tennessee, after two wins last week, a blowout win over Georgia, and of course, a top 10 win over Texas in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. Tennessee has leapfrogged Houston to number two in the latest AP poll. Of course, the movement allows it from Alabama that slid down two spots uh, following that massive beatdown against Oklahoma, 93-69. to That was not a good loss for Alabama that's been really, really good so far this season. But hey, a lot of times that is basketball. But Tennessee has its highest ranking in the Associated Press so far this season, has moved up to number two this week. It is Purdue at number one, 21-1 record, coming off a 77-61 win over Michigan State, it remains at number one in the Associated Press poll. Tennessee moves up two spots from number four to number two, 18 and three on the season. Houston sits idle, actually. Yeah, Houston sits idle at number three, 20 and two on the year. Alabama slides down two spots to number four at 18 and three. Arizona moves up a spot to number five, 19 and three on the season. Virginia moves up a spot to number six at 16 and three on the season. Kansas State. Coming off a loss earlier in the week, or coming off a loss to Florida, excuse me, 64 to 50. It slid down two spots to number seven. It's 18 and three on the season. Kansas moves up a spot as it took down Kentucky 77 to 68, 17 and four on the year. You have UCLA that slid down a spot after losing to USC 77 to 64. It's 17 and four on the year. And then Texas does sit idle at number 10 after losing to Tennessee. 82 to 71. So you lose in the number four team in the country, a team that is ranked six spots ahead of you. You're not going to fall out of the top 10, but you'll sit idle there at number 10. Texas now is 17 and four on the season. Other teams in the Southeastern Conference who are ranked right now, and there's not going to be any, obviously, because Tennessee and Alabama are the two uh, teams that are the cream of the crop in the SEC. 
Uh, you've, of course, you've got Kentucky, who's down. You've got Auburn, who's down. You've got Arkansas, who's down. You've got LSU, who's down. So Tennessee and Alabama, the only two rep- – excuse me, Auburn actually slid in there at number 25. Auburn is at number 25, and it slid down 10. I thought it fell out of the poll, but it slid down 10 spots after losing to West Virginia, 80-77. to 77. But Auburn is in that poll there at number 25. So good news for Tennessee. We'll see what's in store this week. You're on the road in Gainesville going up against Florida. Then you come back and you have a game against Auburn at Thompson Bowling Arena. I believe that game is Saturday at 2 o'clock Eastern time. So that's good news for Tennessee and uh, Rick Barnes' basketball team. Now, Tennessee does have a player who won SEC Player of the Week, and that is Zakiya Ziegler. Tennessee's pair home wins against Georgia and number 10 Texas. Ziegler averaged 18.5 points, 8.5 assists, 3 steals, and 2.5 rebounds per game. Uh, during the Vols' win over the Longhorns, of course, he had a double-double, his third career double-double, I believe, all of those this season. 22 points, 10 assists. That ties a career high for him. Um, see, via scoring and assists, he accounted for, of, of, he accounted for 45 of Tennessee's 82 points during the win. That's that's a really, really good number. Uh, his performance was just the seventh game in program history in which a player had 20 or more points and 10 or more assists in a game. Again, this is Tennessee's Zakai Ziegler against Texas. On Wednesday against Georgia, Ziegler led the balls in scoring and assists with 11 points and seven assists, while also recording four steals on the defensive end. Four games uh, has Zakai Ziegler played since moving from the bench into the starting lineup. And again, some injuries and, and illnesses a couple weeks ago forced that hand. But Zakai Ziegler coming off the bench from a six-man role back into the starting rotation. Um, he's averaging 17.3 points, 7.8 assists, and 2.3 steals per game. That is not bad at all. Ziegler now becomes the third vault to receive SEC weekly honors this season. Santiago Vescovi won SEC Player of the Week back in November. Julian Phillips won SEC Freshman of the Week last week. So congratulations to Zakiah Ziegler, averaging 16.5 points, 8.5 assists, 3 steals, and 2.5 rebounds in two games last week. And he is the SEC Player of the Week for the University of Tennessee as the Vols gear up to head down to Gainesville and then come back to Thompson Bowling Arena for a game against Auburn on Saturday. All right, we've got basketball on our minds. Let's recount, let's revisit that conversation we had on yesterday's show about this historic pace Tennessee is on right now. And, you know, should we just, should we enjoy it? Should we just say, oh, let's see what happens in March? I think the answer is enjoy it. And uh, this conversation was inspired by a column from Mike Wilson over the Nocturne Sentinel. Mike will join the show when we return. That's coming up next right here on Lockdown Balls. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA. And now through June 30, get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. All right, guys, time to tie a bow on this Tuesday episode of Locked on Vols. Welcome back into it. Appreciate you guys sending in your questions for a little mailbag. But to end the show, we are going to discuss Tennessee basketball and specifically Rick Barnes, that success or lack thereof in postseason and the mantra that some of these some fans are maybe taking advantage of where the program is right now we discussed this on yesterday's show 
a little bit, and I gave you kind of my thoughts on this, and it was inspired by a column that Mike Wilson of Knox News wrote over the weekend, and he joins the show now. Mike, what's up, man? Doing well. Glad to glad to talk a little Tennessee basketball this morning. Dude, it's a good good basketball team. A top ten win. Tennessee's won five straight top ten matchups in uh, Thompson Bowl or against top ten teams inside Thompson Bowling Arena. Number two in the net rankings. Number one as of Sunday afternoon in Ken Palm. It's a good basketball team. So when I see the tweet come across in the column that you wrote about Texas fans not appreciating Rick Barnes, Tennessee fans no, don't need to do the same. Kind of what was your thought process behind that writing? Yeah. It started obviously just with the Tennessee Texas matchup and how things ended for for Rick Barnes at Texas and Texas hasn't had the same level of sustained regular season success since Rick Barnes left. I think he won twenty plus games, fifteen out of seventeen or sixteen out of seventeen seasons, uh, somewhere to that effect, and they haven't they haven't had that. Um, Chaka Smart typically won about nineteen, so didn't quite break that that twenty win threshold. Meanwhile, Tennessee is in in its best era of college basketball. Um, I understand the gripes about postseason fans saying, oh, he needs to get to the Elite Eight, needs to get to the Sweet 16, should have a Final Four by now. I get it. Uh, I get that when when there's a high level of regular season success, there becomes a natural correlation that you want postseason success. But the reality is Tennessee basketball hasn't had sustained regular season success like this in program history. Uh, I put out the stat last week, and it was in that column too, saying that 17 times in the past five years, today will mark 18, 18 weeks, in the past five years, Rick Barnes has had this team ranked in the top five of the AP poll. In the previous 70 years pr- prior to that, which is the whole history of the AP poll, Tennessee had been in it for 17 weeks. This is, for all intents and purposes, the best era of Tennessee basketball. The one missing piece remains that March success, but they're routinely winning 25-ish games a season, and that's just not something that Tennessee's had. Yeah, it's it's been a fun run, and it's continuing on. Of course, there's still, what, Mike, uh, 11 regular season games left? <laughs> Is that right? 11 games yeah. left. and Great odds to get to a 30-win season for the second time under Rick Barnes as well. Yeah, yeah, of course. And that was a program record, 31 wins a couple years ago. And I read this stat off yesterday, Mike, and I think I, I think I mentioned it to you last week. And, of course, I know you know this. But um, SEC games, if you're counting the SEC tournament, Rick Barnes' teams are 23-2 and two in their last 25 SEC games. From 1992 to 1997, Tennessee won 21 conference games overall during that five-year span. Uh, Buzz Peterson, former Tennessee head coach, won 29 SEC games in four years. And here's Tennessee team coached by Rick Barnes. And the last 25 SEC games, Tennessee has won 23 of them. So it's been a fun run. Now, when we channel that into specifics and we look at Rick Barnes, what a career, Hall of Famer. And again, I, I, I maintain Tennessee basketball has never been healthier. It's never been better than what it is right now. But when you look at him throughout his career, uh, 25 and 26 in the NCAA tournament, 19 first weekend exits. Mm-hmm. Mike, I know a lot of that is underwhelming. A lot of that should be better, and some of that here at Tennessee should be better. But in your opinion, how difficult is the NCAA tournament? And is that the hardest thing to win in all the sports? Um, I think getting to the College World Series might be something comparable because it's so difficult just to get there. But winning the NCAA tournament and advancing on it, it's something difficult to do every year. I do think winning the NCAA tournament is the hardest thing to do, uh, especially in college sports. It, it, it takes so many things into factor that go beyond the control of a coaching staff and a team. Uh, I mean, you run into a Cinderella, you run into a hot player on the wrong night, you run into a bad matchup just based on seeding. I mean, I covered the Michigan State MTSU upset. And Michigan State that season is the best college basketball team that I've covered by a decent margin. 
Um, I mean, that team should have won the national championship, but it ran into a team that ran an offense predicated on small guys shooting three pointers and Michigan state couldn't guard it. And MTSU went up 15 to two early and won the game and knocked a really, really good Michigan state team off. And it's funny when you look at a matchup like that, because Michigan state probably should have been a one seed that year ended up as a two you're a one, you don't fall to that matchup. Maybe you run all the way to the final four and win it. So it comes down to so many more things than coaching and everything else to do with it. I understand the knock. People who have had as many regular season wins as Rick Barnes should, in theory, have more postseason success. But March takes into account a lot more than just what goes into a normal game. It's a lot different than a Tuesday night in an SEC game. It's a one or done moment. Again, I mean, we saw Tennessee with Loyola, Cinderella team that was really, really good. Uh, knocked knocked Tennessee off that season. Went to overtime with a very good Purdue team. Uh, it was really tough. I don't think that the team that lost to Oregon State was ever going to make noise in the NCAA tournament just because that team was so remarkably inconsistent. Really, its only consistency was its inconsistency uh, <laughs> that, that season. Last year seems the one that I think you do look at and you say, yeah, that team should have done more than it did. Um, but Michigan was a really bad matchup without Olivier Kamwa. So then you take into account injuries happen that hurt you in March. Because I think Olivier plays in that game. Tennessee probably wins it. Tennessee shoots four of 18 from three instead of two of 18. They probably win it. Um, So there's just so much that goes into it with matchups, timing, seeding, everything that's there. But the counterpoint to that is Tennessee's been in the final four conversation for the past six seasons. I don't know if it had been in the final four conversation four times in program history previously. Yeah, and that kind of leads me to what I was going to say. I mean, Tennessee historically is not a not a proud basketball program. I mean, there's never been a Final Four. There's been one Elite Eight. Um, it, it's there's been a lot of trying times. But with all the success of Rick Barnes, I guess I say that to where you so you can't expect a Final Four because again, a Tennessee team has never been to the Final Four. You shouldn't expect that. However, with all of the success in the regular season and, and how healthy this program is. And it has the ingredients to be a Final Four team, according to Rodney Terry, who spent time on Rick Barnes' staff for many, many years. That's interim head coach over in Texas. Should the expectations, should should they raise, considering how where the program is now and the success Tennessee and Rick Barnes has had in the regular season, should the expect, expectation be you got to get beyond the first weekend? I, I think it's fair to say it should be more than that, but you can't just expect a Final Four and Elite Eight because Tennessee just doesn't have a history of being there. Yeah, I think you do have to expect a second weekend with this team. I think that should have been the expectation last year, too. Um, that That's what the, the level of talent has been the past two seasons. But again, you can expect all you want. That's why no one can pick a perfect bracket, right? Yeah. These things are just so different than that. Um, I mean, going back to the coach, coaches that win in March are very few. Uh, what Coach K, John Wooden, Tom Izzo is really good in March, obviously. But it, it's really hard to, to go out there and do that uh, on a consistent basis. That two-day turn. Uh, on a team you've never seen before typically is tough um i do think a second weekend has to be the expectation though but i do find it interesting i I think it's a vocal minority to an extent on social media because that's what social media is Mm -hmm. but this final four cry as you're kind of mentioning it's interesting because it comes out of what tennessee doesn't have that basketball history as you're saying it's hard to sit there and say tennessee should be in the final four well you haven't been before so putting that label on there suddenly is is really hard to do um, because regardless of what happens in March this year, this is a very good Tennessee team again. Um, and the reality of regular seasons, which I know is, is the Rick Barnes thing to so many people, you don't get positioned well in the NCAA tournament to have a shot to make the Final Four unless you have a good regular season typically. And what they've got a three, a three, and a two uh, 
in three of the appearances under Barnes, you've got to put yourself in those positions to have an advantageous shot in the first place. So I think enjoying this team right now is, is a really key part of this, but certainly there's also understandable and fair expectations of doing something in March this season. And again, it, it's it's a fun ride. I mean, the, the the road to March is always so fun, especially if Rick Barnes is your head coach because your teams are good. And where he has this program right now, the, 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 the clip that his teams are winning at right now in conference play, again, it's never been done before in Tennessee history. And so appreciating what you have and what you're watching every Saturday and Tuesday and Wednesday nights, you don't want to take that for granted. Um, so I, I wholeheartedly agree with your column. I enjoyed reading it and uh, look forward to many more from you this year. I, I will end on this. Um, Tennessee basketball, it, it, I agree with what Rodney Terry says. It's got the ingredients. I think it was John Rothstein over the weekend that said, hey, they don't, Tennessee doesn't have a superstar, but they've got a ton of solid, good players that can beat you every single night. One of those solid players is Olivier Cumwell. Obviously went off against Texas. He's got to be the most frustrating player to coach probably because that t potential's there. It's just he's so inconsistent, not only on the scoring end, uh, Mike, but also on the rebounding end as well, going and crashing the boards. But on Saturday against Texas, he was, what, 27-8. and eight. He did both. Yeah, and I think to your, to your point on the, the solid team, there's a Villanova-ness to this, to this Tennessee team. I mean, a lot of those Villanova teams that went and won big in recent years didn't necessarily have the – you know, lottery pick type guy, no. very talented players across the board. No question about that. Good recruiting under Jay Wright, but it was a developmental upperclassman, hard nosed identity thing. Uh, and I think there's an element of that to this Tennessee team. Um, so I, I think it's got a lot going for it. What was your second question? Sorry. <laughs> Olivia Gumwall. Is yeah, he, yeah. Um, he, he's obviously a huge piece of this puzzle. Tennessee yeah. might not need him to score 27, but they need him to be an offensive. He, they need him to be consistent on the offensive end. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, and, and Olivier, I think, to, to me, has always been Tennessee's best option to be that post-threat. Mm -hmm. uh, I've, I've kind of been on the Olivier Kama bandwagon for four years. Uh, <laughs> I liked that the guy grandstanded it when he was a freshman just because you saw the athleticism. You saw the ability to guard and rebound and the things that he can do on the court. A little different, a uh, little more freaky in some ways than, than some of the other guys Tennessee has in the post. And he's got some finesse to his game, and we saw that Saturday. To me, again, that's why I go back to the Michigan game last year. I think Tennessee wins that with Olivier because he just gives them a little bit more. Um, like, I think he's that guy that, that can really be a threat in the post for Tennessee. What was big to me Saturday is we've seen those performances to some extent from Olivier before, but they've almost always been in the non-conference kind of in December. This was the first time I had a good game against South Carolina, but South Carolina is terrible. Um, <laughs> this was the first time on a major stage against a huge opponent that Olivia Kamal was one of the best players on the court. And that happening should be something that propels him forward and allows Tennessee to really build um, around that performance. So do they need him to be 27 and eight? Absolutely not. Are there nights where if he goes for 27 and eight, they're going to be better off for it? Absolutely, they will be. And Saturday was definitely one of those. Mike Wilson, check out his awesome work over at knoxnews.com. Check him out on Twitter at ByMikeWilson. Mike, great column, man. Appreciate your work. Always a fan of you. And we'll talk again soon, okay? Sure thing, man. Thanks for having me. Mike Wilson, Knoxville News Sentinel, one of the best to cover Tennessee basketball. Always appreciate him taking the time.
And uh, good conversation about Rick Barnes. Again, we had it on Monday. We uh, I, I kept on teasing his column, and I wanted to bring him on the show here for uh, Tuesday and, and let him kind of defend his work. And not that he ever needed to, but uh, it was good stuff there. I really enjoyed that conversation with Mike and hope you did as well. As always, appreciate you guys for tuning in for a little Twitter Tuesday mailbag show. Thanks for sending in your questions. We got into those earlier in the show. And thanks for tuning in and listening to Mike Wilson, Knoxville News Sentinel, here on a Tuesday Locked On Balls. We'll have Josh Ward, Little Ward Wednesday, and everything else going on around the Tennessee Volunteers Athletic Beat. That's coming up tomorrow and the rest of the week right here on Locked On Balls. Same time, same place. We'll do it again tomorrow, guys. This is Locked On Balls. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.